0: Episode 91 is gonna be hard, it's gonna be real, and raw. Well, we're talking to comedian Tamar Katan, next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking into. Oh, so much this song just for him. Mm-hmm. I love it. A little New York connection we have together. Hell yeah. And of course, we love this group. A little electric relaxation. That's right, kids. Welcome to Breaking Into, here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm your host, James Lott Jr. And I'm back again. We're back for another great episode, working towards 100 episodes. I'm working towards them. So I'm bringing you some good guests these next eight or nine times. I can do math. I can do math. Eight or nine times. (laughs) You don't hire me. You didn't hire me to do math. You hired me to be a good interviewer. And I have a good interviewee today. He's a buddy of mine who actually is so funny in his stand-up. Thanks, man. I mean, seriously. I mean, just just real stand-up about life. And what I like about him is that he's not just a self-deprecating comedian. It's the stuff actually has lessons in it. Oh. And the things you say, it, like it makes you think and makes you laugh at the same time. Thanks, brother. That's that means it. a lot. Egyptian-born American, of course, comes from a, a, a gathering of Jews and Muslims <laughs> Christians in your life. He talks about it on his, his stand-up all the time. It's really funny. He has a CD out too. He had a CD came out last. Brown sheet. Yes, sir. That Brown came out. We talked about that too. Um, you can see him all over town. He's all over the place playing comedy store, and just all over, he's all over the place. My buddy, my friend, and, and this has been actually almost a year in the making. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Tamara Katan.
1: Thanks, James. Stoked to be on. Finally. I'm glad to hear. Yes, yeah, we have friends in finally. common. We have
0: friends in common. Friends, you've been on the show. Friends in common. Yeah. I know people like Zoe Rogers and and, and Jerry Katzman. I mean, there's just people we have people we have people in common. Definitely, great people in common. Great of great people in common. Yeah. like seriously, great people in common. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. So, you guys, of course, you subscribe to us on Black Hollywood Live on iTunes and YouTube. My page, Breaking Into, is on Facebook. You can go ahead and like it, say something. Tell me you like me. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> tell me you like him. Whatever you want to tell me. tell me. Tell me what you think. And if you actually actually, I want to tell people out there, if you have an idea of somebody you'd like to see on this show, this is something I've never done before, the Jakesh Show, tell me. Who knows? I might be able to sure. get him on the show. You never know. I've gotten a lot of people on this show, as you know, 91 times before that. So tell me who you want to see on the show. And we'll see if we can make it happen. Oh. Uh, I also want to just give, on a serious note, I want to give um, kind of my condolences to the family of Tom Petty. Uh, just passed, and he's was sixty six. I was a big fan of his music. It's heartbreakers, him Me by too. himself. Uh, if you go to um, the Rock and, Hall of, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, um, they have a section from MTV saying the four top artists of the eighties that changed the video. He was one of them. Wow! Never knew that. Until yeah. they showed his videos for Mary Jane and for Don't Come On Here No good. More. I mean, it's so good. I
1: miss that art, man. I miss music videos as art. Yes. It's missing in our lives. God, I know. It was so
0: good. Well, I just, that's when I used to like sit around the TV on our illegal black box. Um, and uh, you know, there were a few of those back then. Why does the box gotta be black? Just because it's illegal. Why does okay, it gotta be black? It well, it was illegal and it was black. In Inglewood, hello. It was all it was all all kinds of wrong. Um, but you know, we got it. And I was one of the first folks in the neighborhood who had actually this 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 box. And we used to get like Z channel and show oh, early showtime, like, Z Channel and Showtime and MTV. So I used to sit around that's when you, that's when you sat around and watched M T V and like every video wasn't event yeah i mean michael true. jackson thriller i remember watching that video like 100 times over Absolutely. and over again so a yeah, shout out to him and his family a uh, big fan of his music also a yeah, shout out to my family in puerto rico i hope you guys are doing okay i have wow. not heard anything because uh, there's no power there we need to help them they are part of america hell yeah and i i'm i'm a, i'm i am thinking positive that they are okay uh and also give obviously just vegas I go to Vegas all the time, and I I stay in the center of the strip, not far from Manly Bay all the time, and it's just disheartening that that happened. It really
1: is. It's terrifying. Yeah.
0: You know, especially as comedians. A lot of comedians out there play in Vegas. All the time. All the time. Yeah. The guy could have picked up, like, a better spot, so to speak, because it was, like, right there in the center of everything. Yeah. And I feel bad for Manly Bay, because it's actually a good hotel I've stayed there before, and I feel bad for them having this kind of negative press happening that he stayed there and did from there. Yeah. Oh, it's like so, and this is almost kind of ironic because today we're going to talk about a little bit about you, of course, we want to know who you are, and also about this. I want your, I want your opinions on some things that are going on in the world sure. because if you follow him on social media, he does talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not shy. No, I'm not shy. Here's the way I see it: people get offended by the things that I say, but the way I see it is this: uh, your hate for me will never eclipse my love for my mom. My mom has an accent, and she earned her citizenship here. She's an American citizen, and when people start going up to my mom and asking her where she's from, <sighs> you're going to hear what I have to say. Okay. And there's nothing you're going to do to stop me, because my love for my mom is way bigger than any hate that gets thrown at me. I so, like that.
0: I like that. So they're going to keep hearing it. Yeah, yeah. And you should, people stay silent, nothing happens, right? Amen. You know, I think it's one of those kind of things that... And for you, I mean, are you ever afraid of saying too much?
1: No. I mean, I've had people rush the stage. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I had three death threats last year. Yeah, because I did. You know, my album was called Brown Sheep, Mm -hmm. and it was about immigration. I talked a lot about Trump. Um, And I wanted to pressure test it in the South. I wanted to make sure that the things I said in front of liberal folks were the things that I would say in front of conservative folks. And I did that. Uh, And in Oklahoma City in particular, they were extreme, which is funny how aggressive they were, considering the only terrorist attack that's ever happened in that town was from Timothy McVeigh, a white dude that loved guns. Uh, and yet again, uh, another white dude that loves guns in Vegas. Wow. It's a crazy thing. It's a, cra- it's a misdiagnosis is what it is. Mm. I heard this girl uh, say this really smart thing. Uh, she said, you don't hate Mondays. You hate your job. Yes. Right? Yes. How yes. many, all of us keep saying, we hate Mondays, we right. hate Mondays, we hate Mondays. But the reality is, once she said that, I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Right. And it made me think to the people that are racist. You don't hate immigrants, you just hate your life. Yes. You're not afraid of brown people, you're afraid of the future. Mm. That's why those Nazis were saying we will not be replaced. It's because they're afraid that they're being replaced. And so that's, that's the problem we're, we're misdiagnosed in America It's not hate for immigrants It's fear for the future And that's what we need to diagnose That's what we need to look at You know, the internet used to be a place Where we went for information yeah. And it's become a place that we look for affirmation And it's divided us mm. People are just looking for information That tells them, yeah, I'm right, I'm right Even when it's yes. fake Yes. And they don't care anymore And this divisiveness is ruining the most important word In the name of our country, united mm. it's, it's jacked up
0: I like that you said that because as a, as a life coach, I always say that, you know, the basics that people, especially kids, I always say it starts with kids. Yeah. There's two things they want to know, that they matter and they're loved. 100%. That carries on for the rest of our lives. We just yeah. want to know that we matter, that we're loved. And I feel like for these adults, somehow they feel like they don't matter. No one's, no one's paying attention That's to exactly them. That's exactly right. So when you're saying they're afraid of the future completely makes sense. They're afraid we're being erased. Yeah.
1: The strongest human drive is the drive to belong. That's in every psychology book that's ever been written. If there was a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, belonging is more important than food.
0: I believe that. I believe that completely. I do. And so when you say that, I'm like, yes, it makes me go to my, that's really interesting because people, they want to know, they want to be figured out. They want to know what's going on. They want to know that that they're going to be taken care of that things will be there for them. Yeah. No one likes the unknown yeah. or perceived unknown or whatever. They don't like they don't like to not know what's going to happen. Yeah. So then the, the fear comes in of these things that seemingly to them on surface is taking away from them. Yeah. When they look deeper. It's not, they're not no one's taking anything away from you at
1: all. Well, you know what's funny? If you look at what's happening, no one's addressing this fear of being replaced because it's misdiagnosed as as racism, right? They're, they're, it's like people saying we need to deal with how how bad people hate Mondays. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you need to help people find better jobs. You need to yes. help people love their jobs. You, when you have a bunch of technology industries coming in and wiping out industries like coal, yeah, you got it's... dummies like Trump trying to sell the coal industry the way Comcast sells landlines. <laughs> the coal industry is done, and yeah. the technology category made sure that it was done. I think because of that, the technology category needs to take some responsibility. If you create a category and you remove an entire category where people had jobs— you, I think you need to have a responsibility where, for the next four to four to six years, for example, all the companies in that category have a responsibility to educate the people that have been kicked out of the category. So the solution isn't to keep using coal. Right. The solution is to educate people that have chosen coal as a career, mm. like Uber, wa- Uber, Lyft. They wiped out taxi drivers. I think they yeah, own an obligation yeah. because it's not like they're making a little bit of money, right? No right. Apple is the world's biggest bank yes they have more cash than the federal reserve that's a fact yeah apple has to have some responsibility you know it makes me think the evil apple that we read read about in the bible maybe it wasn't fruit
0: right maybe it was a
1: smartphone
0: (laughs) right you know what i mean and they have a responsibility to a society that they've disrupted i'll tell you something friday I, i came home with five apple products yeah we're addicted I, I mean, I mean, they were like just like here, James. We'll throw an iPad for you. Yeah. I got iPhone eight. Here's an iPad. Yeah. Here's this for your daughter. Here's. I mean, they were throwing. They were throwing shit at me. That was like, yeah. I'll take it all. It's like, and I came home with literally like a charger, a phone, an iPad. I'm like it's like this is insane. Yeah. But I'm like, but the, but all my stuff now is all hooked up together.
1: Yeah, you know why? Because we're communal. Yeah, human beings are pack animals, right? That's why when you yawn, I yawn. When you laugh, I laugh, and then after I go, "What's so funny?"
0: You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's in our yeah, DNA. Yeah. We're
1: hardwired to connect with people. Yeah. Right, and even my senior project, I sent fifty holiday cards okay. to perfect strangers. Oh. Thirty-eight cent holiday cards back.
0: Wow. It, it's called
1: the law of reciprocal exchange. It is the foundation of what makes us pack animals, right? So and because we're losing community, we're f- trying to replace it with other things social media, all this wow. other stuff. You know what I mean? A bunch of nerds created this way to communicate, and now we're going, why are we having trouble communicating online? Because it was created by nerds who have trouble communicating
0: right. in real life. Right.
1: Like, you know what I mean? We're, like, we're, we're a misdiagnosed society. Yeah. You know, like when we bang our leg on a table, we beat the shit out of the table instead of learning how to walk with our eyes open. Yeah. Like, stop beating tables. Stop beating immigrants. We, we, we are a misdiagnosed society.
0: Well, you know, I try to tell people because, you know, I'm an online dater. I've talked about it before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but I am. But it's Me one too, of those things. Man. But it's one of those things. Yeah, you, you talk about it in the same yeah. stuff too. But, and that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. I would tell people I'm on the app to get off. Amen. I like that. Yeah. So it's like, so I'm using the platform. Yeah. Not to just be on there twenty four hours a day chatting with people eight thousand times and trading pictures. I'm on there to meet somebody because I'm busy in my life. Yeah. That I don't go I don't go to bars and hang out anymore to meet them so that I can delete the app after I meet somebody. Yeah. But society is all about we're all there together, and we'll talk for a while and we'll message each other for ten weeks, and yeah. nothing ever happens, and yeah. it's it's really tough.
1: It is tough. It's the you know there's this phrase called the paradox of choice, right? It's mean if you have too much choice, all of a sudden you can't make a choice. Uh... Like I never have trouble picking food at In and Out. <laughs> Right, but you just give me that one of those menus from Jerry's Deli. I'm like, what the fuck? I get locked up. I, I'll, I will go from starving to being a skeleton in a booth. going, ah, you know? That's it's so too true. Much. And I think that's what happens with dating. It's the paradox of choice. There's so much choice yeah, right now with dating apps. So I think I think your mentality is proper. You you use a dating app in order to find, but once you find. Boom, stop Pass. it. Pass. Get off that thing. This whole juggling a bunch of people, yeah. it's not the way humanity works. Yeah. It's, it's bad for your body. I'm too old. That's I'm you're so, not too I, old, man. I, I, so,
0: I don't have the time. I'm almost 50 years old. I don't have the time. Oh, shit. Yeah, but you're California 50, man. That's
1: different. That's reverse dog years, man. What's 50 divided by 7? Man, you're 14. 14.
0: <laughs> there are times like 14, too. I can tell. I can say that so for sure. I just
1: did math. 7 times 7, 49. You that's did. Right. I'm like, I don't that's do math. math. <laughs> I don't do math.
0: Sorry, I don't do math. Um, but no, but it's, it's, it's one of, that's just always been my, my, my thing. do not likely being online, but I know yeah. that it's a way... You're to find connection. Like you just said, try sure. trying to find community. And that's one way to meet people initially. But I'm always like, let's meet up. Let's, let's have a date. Let's meet up. Let's meet yeah. up. And then people are like, well, I'm really busy. I don't know. It's like, you're afraid to meet up. Yeah. The online, like you said, these nerds create this thing so they can talk to people. But they didn't create a social, that's right. in-person aspect of it. It's that's all right. artificial, so to speak. Well, not artificial, but it's, it's, it's online. Yeah. It's not in person. And also, the other thing that I want to bring up is I always, I would call this the pain Olympics. Everybody the pain, has their pain, pain, Olymp- is, yeah, pain Olympics. I, I like my that. pain is worse than your pain. No, my yep. pain is worse oh, than your pain. No, so my good. pain is worse than your pain. So there's the gold, the silver, the bronze, and yep. you have a pain, and you have pain, and you have pain. Everybody has pain. Like It's like, I call it the pain Olympics. I feel like we get so stuck in that, too, mm. where you said going with your old thing, but it, it's not really fear, it's not racism, it's fear of the future unknown. There's yep. that also. But no, I'm poor, too, but I'm white. Well, no one's disputing that there are there are not white people who are poor. I mean, no one's saying there isn't. I mean, I've been to parts of the Midwest and and the South where they are dirt poor. It's like you know, poorer, poorer than I was. But we're just, it, there's other things going on. Yeah. We're not, we're not. And again, like going with your thing, we're not addressing why they're poor too. Yeah. This is going well just because you're black and you're white. I should get, exactly I should get this. Exactly right.
1: I'm going to say something that that would probably surprise some of my uh, haters who happen to be like uh, white male comics that get mad at me I think we need to pay a little bit more attention to white people right now and the way, it's the same dynamics as if you adopted kids into your family and you said you, we love you just like we do our biological kids but then the biological kids start to get jealous uh, and it's it, you, there's a, they want attention Yes. And, and they are in trouble. The white community is in trouble and we need to do things to help them because like this Middle Eastern man I spoke to when I asked him, why do people join terrorist organizations? He said, it's easier to be evil than it is to be alone. Wow! Isn't that a powerful statement? That is. And I think that's what's happening in white community. You know, they turn on the TV, they see themselves less, you know, uh, they see themselves less and in, the, in the future, they see less of themselves yeah. and, and the, it's a misdiagnosis cuz they don't you know?
0: cuz they really don't get cuz they're not coming from this place at all that we're trying to be seen they've exactly. always been seen yeah so for them it's just it's just natural That's they've right. always been seen so so us as people of color should take that into account yeah that for them this is a shock for them yeah
1: well here's the other thing why does not a race Right. Why does this thing that was Voltron together by white politicians? <laughs> right. Because it is hypnotizing when a rich white man looks at a poor white man and says, "You're just like me." That's hypnotizing, Ooh, yeah. right? And instead of like looking at his brown neighbor and saying, "We're the same," he's looking at this rich white man. And because right now we're in a socio-economic war yeah. disguised as a race war, I agree with that. Right? All these wars, all this hate—it's all about money. They don't care about us. Sure it does. should be us against these people that have the the. The, the nerve to say that they want to rule countries. Yeah. They, they're using us like bullets in a gun. Yeah. And we're fighting each other instead of banding together and fighting
0: them. Let's show a clip from so this is one of his openings of his stand-up. Uh, <laughs> if there's any language you don't like it's like, you know now, it's not really anything super bad, but just like just, it's just <laughs> saying just, just in case it's some adult. Yeah, but it's really quick. It's in like a minute or so. Make as much noise as
1: you can for your friend
0: and mine Tamra katan <laughs> One of the routines I just love is. Oh, thanks, right? man! I that opens that. up. Wow. wow,
1: wow! I'm sorry. Sometimes when I come up here, I confuse people. I think it's because I'm an Arab, and I'm happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> face is like
1: <laughs> that confuses people. There's not a lot of happy Arabs on TV, right? (laughs) People don't even believe that I'm an immigrant because I don't wear dress shoes with sweatpants. (laughs) Anymore. Here they go. (laughs) But I am an immigrant. I'm very proud of being an immigrant. I'm not a regular Arab. I have a Muslim father and a Jewish mother. Some woos and a rumble of concern. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. That's what the wedding photo looked like.
0: right? (laughs) Two
1: people in love and a half circle of people going, this isn't going to work at all. (laughs) People freak out when I say I have a Muslim dad and a Jewish mom. They react like I said, my dad's a Pepsi. My mom's a Mentos. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Muslim dad, Jewish mom, what does that make you? Super circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like this. That's the puzzle I love. So, guys, that's just want to show a piece of one of his one of his stand-ups. That's why you Thanks, do that a lot It's just, like I'm sitting here laughing again, knowing the punchline's coming up. I, love I mean, it. it's not. I mean, it's like you know. I guess you tell me a good standup. Literally within the first thirty seconds, we're getting an idea of who you are. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's like that just says right there. Okay. He has a lot going on there. So it should be a good set.
1: Yeah, man. You know what it is? I think that um, some people are like, oh, that's hacky to talk about what you look like, what you sound like. But I think sometimes when you're a person that's hard to uh, define, you owe it to the obligation because the loudest hecklers aren't people's mouths who are speaking to you. The loudest heckling happens inside people's minds. When you're on stage and you're talking and in their head they're going, is he gay, is he straight? Is he Arab, is he white? Is he Muslim, is he Jewish? Is he this, is he that? So you have to silence The hecklers that are inside their minds so that they can go, okay, now I can chill out. Yeah, it's like 8 Mile when Eminem said yeah nice. I live in a trailer yeah so and so slept with this yeah my mom does that yeah. what you gotta say now here's the mic they got nothing right. to say exactly. yeah so I had to address all their thoughts before I can address what I wanted to say
0: what okay so what do people confuse you for when they see you oh I get Latino all the time okay. but it's cause like to add to
1: the complexity of that yes. I got a Muslim dad a Jewish mom and I grew up in East LA <laughs> <laughs> I
0: used to always joke I lo-
1: Mexicans were cool to me cause they were like you got pyramids we got pyramids come on <laughs> You know, they were like they're the only people. <laughs> yes. I got to school, and people didn't know what to make of me because yeah, they're like, "You I'm got sure. black people hair, white people skin. Yeah, what so, do we yeah, do?" Yeah, exactly you know? right, exactly. The Mexicans were cool. They're like, you know, you're like us. You got pyramids, you got pita bread, we got tortilla bread. <laughs> you know, so they embraced me, and, and I'm I'm incredibly thankful to the Latino community yeah. for that. Like, in, in, cr- I, I wish I could express in words. How much love and respect I have for the Latino culture. Wow. It's, it's you know, have you ever watched that uh, reality TV show that's on UFC? It's called The Ultimate Fighter. Yes, of course. Right? Yes, of course, yeah. So, The Ultimate Fighter in the beginning, it was always American fighters. Mm-hmm. And then they did one where it was Mexico versus Latin yes, America. Yes. The thing that shocked me was that this is a highly, pressurized situation a mm-hmm. bunch of people that are aggressive in a house away from their families their friends mm-hmm. and all this stuff and they're living with the guy that's going to try to punch their lights out so it's a high stress situation mm-hmm. when you have that comparison how americans handle stress versus how latin americans mm-hmm. handle stress it was it almost made me cry yeah. like i'm watching the latin american show there was a dude who's who was fighting because his daughter was born without a nerve in her face so she couldn't smile He's like, I've never seen oh my, my daughter gosh. smile, and that's why I'm here, so yeah. she, I can afford that operation. Now, one of the dudes that was competing against him said, If I win, I'm going to give him money. Wow. I, it still gives me goosebumps yeah, to this day. The story, yeah. They didn't hate each other. Right. They were all like, We're all Latinos, even though you're in the, Argentina and Brazil, for example. They hate each other. Right, exactly. But on that show, they were like, We're still Latinos together. <sighs> And okay. that's what I miss from America. It makes yeah. me sad that we don't have that anymore. Yeah. We we don't have this camaraderie. We, we're losing the word "united," and it makes me sad.
0: Yeah, you know yeah, that's that's straight true. Um, when did you start doing comedy?
1: I started. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny because it depends on. Uh, I started being a funny person <laughs> when <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> at, at a very early yeah, age. I, I can see I that. Five. I'm sure. I'm thank, sure. Thank you. I'm but sure. comedy, I started. Uh, After my dad died, about seven years ago. Okay, okay.
0: And did you have an idea, or did it come to you later, what kind of comedian you would would be? Like, what you would talk about?
1: I didn't have an idea, but it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Because here's the way I thought of it. Being funny is like being tall, but being good at stand-up is like learning to play basketball.
0: Okay, okay. And
1: because I was Muslim and Jewish and grew up in a Mexican neighborhood and had white friends, I didn't know what my identity was. Okay. And so I found comedy, and I was like, oh, that's my identity. Okay. People always told me I'm not Jewish enough, I'm not Arab enough, I'm not Muslim enough, not American enough, but no one ever said I wasn't funny. And it was ah, my identity. Okay. So I was afraid to try it because I didn't want people to be like, you're not funny. Then I'd be like, well, then what am I?
0: You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, the big scheme of things, yes. It was scary. Yes.
1: So, you know, the first time I did it was, I was really nervous and really scared. But... Do you know your first joke? Or no? Yeah, I think I do. I think I said, it was this joke where I said, my dad used to say, every time I give you an inch, you take a mile. And I was like, if you have a mile of something, why would you only give me an inch of it? <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I have a taking problem. I think you've got a giving problem.
0: <laughs> that's good. Thanks, that's like, man. That's good. That's so funny. Oh, my God. See, it's like observational here. Like, you think, like, there's something in there, not just, like, yeah, like, if you're a mile, like, why do just give me a couple of yards? That's so funny. Thanks. So, I mean, so, so, along the way, it's when you learn, kind of, you found your footing in terms of what kind of comedian you are.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, early on in the neighborhood I lived in, we used to play the dozens. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I learned, uh, that i was good with words and i learned that words were powerful yes you know like there's that old saying you know sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me but the reverse of that is words can protect you because i had a dude that used to beat my ass every day and then one time we did the dozens and i knew that i could beat him with words and then i kept making fun of him and he came up to me after a week and he goes hey man if you stop making fun of me i'll stop beating you up and i was like oh man and guess what two weeks No ass beatings for two weeks, but I missed the laugh so much that I said, I'm going to take the
0: beatings. (laughs) And I
1: started making fun of him. And that's when, at that age, I was like, that's when I, in my brain, physiologically, that's when I became a comic. But professionally, Uh, professionally. it wasn't until seven years ago.
0: Um, What does comedy do for you?
1: Oh, man, it it gives me a sense of identity and purpose. Purpose is really important for me right now, especially because I'm at that age where I'm like, why are we here? You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we've created. We've created churches and cultures and community and money and and jobs, but nobody has answered the question. Why are we here? Right. And, um, you know, you could get frozen up in that. That's midlife crisis. Right. You get locked up in that. Or you could be like, while I'm here, I'm going to do the best thing that I can. And everything that we do in comedy, to me, it's like digital hieroglyphics. Right? Like I can't see the pyramid yet, but these are walls that we get to carve on. And and I feel like if I can if I can carve on that wall and I can put on thoughts and feelings that my mom has or other people that are underrepresented in this society, then I feel that when I die I'll, I'll be I'll have a little bit of a smile on my face. Well, I feel like you're affecting change in the world. I wish I I hope so. I, I'm, trying. I try, I'm
0: trying to say i think with this show no. I try to fake a little bit try to fake change in the world. I think you yeah. are too in some way where what you say in your comedy or what you say online, someone seeing it, it must be affecting them somehow.
1: I hope so. And I think one by one, right? It's yeah. a one by one thing. And I have had a dude come up to me one time where um, – he and he changed my mind. I wrote this thing where I said, at this point, I've had enough with Trump. If you still support Trump, then I uh, unfriend me now. Mm-hmm. And this dude from Alabama emailed me, and he's actually posted on my Facebook. And he said – hey listen, I hope you change your mind because you once changed my mind. He's like, I was a Trump supporter, I saw you at a show, and then it became really difficult to not listen to someone that I began to like. Um, he's also, you changed my mind, and you made me look at Trump from a different perspective, and I think you can do that for other people too. So I, don't, I think you shouldn't let people unfriend you that are Trump supporters. Wow. And I was like, well, thank, you just did for me what I did for you, so thank you, and you're right. And I said, mind changed. If you're a Trump supporter, uh, let's talk.
0: Let's speak. I had something similar happen to me uh, when Obama got elected the first time. Mm. Uh, I was in Bismarck, North Dakota. You were what? Bismarck, Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, my God. (laughs) At a farm and ag conference. (laughs) Long hair, blonde. Only black person for miles around. Oh, my God. So was, I was running a conference and, and my colleagues were all white and me and, and we had all these hunters and farmers and normally a really great crowd. I mean, I get along. I travel the country and I was doing this job. I did it for 10 years. Um, but the night he got elected, for me, of course, it was this historic. I'm a black man seeing a black man as president. Talking about lifetime. I'm crying. He was classy or something. And I heard such hatred coming out of the mouths of my conference goers. Yeah in front of me, behind my back, in front of me, that it was so shocking to me. And I immediately got angry. Just like yeah. This was like eight years ago, however many years, ten or nine years ago. And I was like, you know, square everybody, and I'm leaving the conference, and you can all, you know, whatever. And, and my boss had said to me, I think you should stay. Because then you could show them, because most of them like you, as they know you as James a lot, Junior, they know you as James. Kind of show them how, how they're being, like if you run off, yeah, that's not good. I agree. Stand, stay in it. I know mean, it's be hard for you. Yeah. but stay in it. I'm so glad I stayed.
1: Me too. I'm glad you did too. And it's not easy to do that. No, it's not, it's easy. not easy. It's hard. And it wears you down. I think as as human beings, we have to remember to to take a break. To yes. defeat our souls, it's that uh, it's that counterintuitiveness that happens when you're on, on an airplane. They tell you to put the mask on yourself before you put it on a yes. child, and you're like, "Wait, that doesn't <laughs> sound experience. right," but it is right. You know, I once wrote a, a story about Robin Williams because when my dad died, I didn't cry at the funeral because we didn't have a great relationship, okay. and he was a little mean to me. You know, he was an, you know he had a lot of problems. But Robin Williams died, and, and I was an adult man. I walked into a toilet, and I cried for an hour and a half Wow! uncontrollably. Okay. And, I, and I realized that I was looking for a dad in my house, and I found one on TV. Uh, he was my dad. He was the one that made me feel less alone. He was an alien on Mork and Mindy, and I was yeah. an alien in America. And I, and I bonded with him. Yeah. But the, the way the story ends that I, I told at the Moth Slam is that if you choose the noble profession that this man did, if you choose to blow life and joy into people, always remember to stop before you run out of breath and i think that's what happened to him he gave so much he did you know that he just he ran out
0: i've met him years ago i met him in san francisco where he's from quiet man mm-hmm. super nice yeah. um i spoke i used to work at a, a retail store called headlines and i was able to, i was his personal shopper there i was a manager wow. of the store i had to walk around and talk to him he's just very Amazing. hairy guy very hairy he is so hairy super hairy <laughs> super <laughs> hairy yeah um I remember he was coming out with shirt in his arms but he was like really quiet and just like demure, but really super nice. I'm thinking to so my son, I kept thinking because he gives all of it on set, on stage. That I guess you have to come down at some point, yeah, and realize you can't be Robert Williams in front of me. I'll just all—I mean, this is too much. Yeah, it'd be too much. So when he died, I felt personally. You know, it's a once I met him. I felt like wow, I actually had a moment with him for about 30 minutes. Yeah, it's. I'll magic. never forget that. I'll never forget that.
1: It's it's amazing. You know what's funny is his hairiness uh, inspired one of the stoniest. <laughs> Uh, jokes I ever wrote in a notebook but okay. never said out loud oh. and it was like you know when I get stoned I get really Nietzsche you know yeah, yeah, Nietzsche yeah, is like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. oh, when you're dreaming are you really awake when you're awake are you really dreaming <laughs> so right when I was reading that and, and super stoned I look at Robin Williams and he's so hairy and I go maybe humans don't turn into wolves when they see the moon Maybe wolves turn into humans when they see the sun. Oh jeez! <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, maybe wolves are the things that are kind, and humans are the things that are evil. Ooh,
0: now, now that's you know something, I mean? right that something right there. Now that's something right there. Look how kind this hairy motherfucker was. You know, yes. he
1: was the kindest person. Yeah, apparently
0: he was. And, and, and seriously, everyone talked about Robin Williams. There was never anything bad said about him. turns yeah. from all his friends, fellow comedians. Yeah, that he was generous and kind, and just like super sweet. And he was light. He was light. And I think I you know I'm it's funny because I love comedians I love comedy um, for you was there any joke that you went you felt you went too far on later or no
1: you know, no, I don't know if the joke went too far, but I, I think as a comic, the, one, the thing that we learn in our craft is how to build Trojan horses. Okay. Right? And I think there are times where I rush the drawbridge and it didn't look <laughs> oh, like a gift. okay. There were soldiers banging on the door <laughs> instead of a wooden horse that looked like a gift. Yes. <laughs> and I think um, I've gotten much better at that. But what, I'm a human being at the end of the day, and I think I gave myself a little bit of a break because what I realized is that if I write with anger... There's no horse, and I need a little bit of distance and time. You know, they used to always say tragedy plus time equals comedy, yeah. and I think um, it's not just tragedy. It's anger. It's sadness. It's mm-hmm. all ar- Plus time equals comedy. I think what we need to do, you know, Hemingway used to say, as a writer, it's your job to notice what others only see, and I think the way to notice what others only see is to re- is to remove some of the emotion a little bit and give yourself some distance, and so I think I've been guilty of having my emotion be the lead horse instead of having my comedy lead the horse sometimes.
0: It's funny, um, last month, I had a lot of death in my life last month. I lost my grandmother, my dog, my cat. cattle, all within days of each other. Oh, that's the worst. So it was, it was completely dark times for us. But then, we mentioned the comedy part. A few weeks after that, I had a ringtone on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. Shout out to Lizzo. Love you, Lizzo. She has a song called, um, (laughs) Where the Hell My Phone. And so that was my ringtone. <laughs> so we're in the middle of, like, you know, two, like, some time had passed, so two weeks had passed, and we're dealing with some, like, grandmother's things and effects. And also my phone, I was like, where the hell, my phone? Where the hell, my phone? What the hell? <laughs> and everybody started laughing. Yeah, And it's like, okay, now we kind of laugh about it. Yeah. And it opened the door for us to say kind of funny things about my grandmother. It's what the crazy That's things we do. But it was like, it was like some time had passed a little bit yeah. before we could actually, like, have a humorous moment. That's great. But it was that, that ringtone that kind of... It's, okay, okay, have we kind of have to laugh The ringtone was kind of sure. funny. You know, it's you know, funny.
1: But... People have always studied laughter, and they, never, they don't understand why it happens. Yeah. But the hypothesis is that when we were cave people, we were always under threat. Well, you could oh, die no at way. any moment. So the hypothesis is that there was a bunch of cave people sitting around a fire, and then they heard this rustling in the bush, and they all, like, tensed up. And then a rabbit jumped out. Oh. <laughs> and then they all began to laugh. Oh, and funny. that that's comedy. It's like... All, when you could look back at your fear, look back at your tension, look back at your pain, yeah. look back at these terrible thoughts that you had in your head and realize it's okay, it's gonna be okay. Yeah. And that's where la- laughter is a release.
0: Well, I learned a lot about laughter and comedy from our buddy and also former guest on the show, Jerry Katzman. He's amazing. Who yeah. is amazing. And yeah. he's, a, he's been voted best comedy teacher in LA and all kinds of stuff. He is really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, he taught me the threes where two things are, you, know, you say two things, and the third thing is very outrageous. <laughs> yeah. when, I started, I, when he taught me, so I was looking at. That's the way I date, by the way. Two
1: normal girls and then a crazy chick. <laughs> Every
0: third girl is a punchline. And does it work? Has everybody laugh? Does, it, ever does it work? Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. It works. And comedy is great. you like, it works for my comic act, but. <laughs> Real life is work. So, but yeah, but so I, I start seeing. I start looking at comedy differently. I started looking at comedy plays, comedy musicals, comedy shows very differently. Now I see the different types of humor. Sure. Because there, there is a science to it. 100%. Yeah. But we laugh. I love to laugh. I love to laugh. I have a crazy laugh. I love to laugh. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. There's a couple of things that are going on right now out there. <laughs> and because, you, I, mean, there, I mean, there is some there is some humor in them, but I also just want to know your feelings on some of these things. Sure. Uh, you touched on a couple of things. So, Arabs today. Mm. So, what, what is your feeling? Because you are part of that. And what, is that, what does sure. that mean to you today?
1: To be an Arab today? Yeah. It's tough, man. I think um, it's a confusing time. It's a time of transition. I think for the longest time growing up in America, I kept wondering, am I... Uh, I, I, think I kept being called Arab-American, and what I realized is I'm not an Arab-American. I'm an American-Arab. you know. Mm. And, and that is something that's different, and I can define my identity. I don't have to be identified by what the census tells me that I am. Mm. And I think when you're an Arabic person and someone tells you you're not this or you're not that, I think as American-Arabs... We need to be able to define who we are in America, outside of the country we came from, and inside of the country that we call home. Uh, I think it's important for us to take that power away from things like the Census Bureau, from things like pop culture and society. I'm not gonna wait for them to tell me who I am. I will tell them who I am. I, I write my own name tag. And I think sure. that's, that's, that's an important thing. And also I think identity is beyond skin color and race mm-hmm. and nationality. You know, like <laughs> one of my friends said this crazy thing. Yes. He's, he was dating a lady cop. Oh. And he, he was struggling with it because we came from a bad neighborhood, and we never liked police that much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I literally have a scar on my lip from a cop hitting me in the face oh, wow. because I was skateboarding in the wrong neighborhood. Oh, so, wow. And I told him, I said, listen, man, we're adults now. You can't blame all police for the way we were treated as kids. She's a woman. If you like her and she likes you, what the heck? Go out. Two months later, he's upset because she broke up with him. And I'm like, why'd you break up? He's like, man, she's really into like astrology. (laughs) And she found out I was a Leo. And she said, according to statistics, Leos uh, at a very high percentage commit more violent crimes. (laughs) He's like, isn't that crazy? I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. He's like, I don't even understand it. I go, it's crazy, but I understand it because I'm an Arab. (laughs) I don't, I don't, <laughs> you got judged by when you were born. Oh, I get judged by man. where I was born. And both are just as ridiculous. Yeah, right. They're bullshit unit, units of measure. Right. You know, so I, I think own your identity. I think Arabs have to learn to own their identity and learn that it's not one choice or the other. You could make it yourself, you could be a swirl. You don't have to be brown or vanilla or whatever. Be be yourself. Be an identity, and let people see that what it what it means to be an Arab today is is bigger than the tiny, narrow lens that we're being you know show, as we're being represented on TV. There can be Muslims like me that are covered in tattoos and love whiskey and weed and women. Why not? The only thing I pray five times a day too is yoga pants.
0: You know, right? Why, why can't I exist? <laughs> oh my God! My brother-in-law talk about yoga pants all the time. they so, so great. Sweaty. I'm sorry, James. He's I going to talk no, about he's, yoga no, he's say that. he's like. <laughs> He, he's married. He loves his wife and everything, yeah. my sister and everything, but he's just like yoga pants. Yeah. Like, yes. You
1: can teach a dog not to eat your food, but you can't teach him to not stare at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lick my lips. I'm not going to take a bite. But I'm going to lick my lips. <laughs>
0: I like that. I'm, I'm in. I like that. I like that. Um, North Korea, is there anything funny about that? What's going on there? No,
1: I think North Korea is... A real threat, the, isn't it? It's a real threat, yes. and I think it is the, the foundation that shows that Trump is an incompetent leader. Diplomacy is an incredibly important skill. Mm-hmm. I think you can't out-crazy-crazy... Crazy. Anyone who's ever been in a fistfight with a homeless person knows yes, this. Yes, yes. Uh, this is a crazy person. And the problem is that Trump is picking a fight with someone where he has no repercussions. The P- I have friends who live in Guam, okay. and they've gotten brochures in the mail about what to do in case of a nuclear war. Wow. Now, that's unfair. Wow. I think that's part of the reason that we have a problem in our political system is I think that I think of power like alcohol. If you have too much, you get drunk. And you make crazy decisions. I think the people that have been in power are too powerful. And I think we need to have a cap. You can't have more than two drinks and drive. I think you can't make more than $200,000 and lead this country. If you make more than $200,000 a year, you're too dangerous of a leader. I think that needs to change. And this it, this thing with Kim Jong un and Donald Trump is that is the bullseye. It is the epicenter of the problem with him. And it's the definition of why he's incompetent as a
0: leader. And uh, what about Dennis Robin? Where, where the hell is that coming from? When he's his buddy and everything? Right? What's that about? It's
1: crazy. And the childhood rocket boy. It's just like, come on, man. Uh, you, you can't pick fights with people when you're not the one who's going to get yeah, fists thrown at you. Yeah. That's just, he's heartless.
0: Heartless. He is. He is. It's yeah. scary. It's yeah. really scary going to switch gears for a second. We, we, we talked about this. We talked about briefly. Um, women dating. Yes you sir. talk about you talk about it on, on you talk about in your set. Oh my goodness! So what is what so what is Mr. Catan doing these days?
1: It's funny. I, what am I I told my friend the other day that you know the movie Good Luck Chuck. Yeah, yeah. So that's me, man. <laughs> women date me, and then the next dude they get married to. Right? <laughs> like, like I don't even date women anymore. I'm just fostering them until they find forever homes. You know what I mean? Look,
0: <laughs> like, it's crazy. I'm like a lady man. Just yes. Like a house has ladies in it until they get until they get well. And now it's your turn to go, yeah. ma'am. Have be forth and. You know, marry and multiply, yes. You know,
1: but here's the reality. I'll be honest. The reality is <laughs> that uh, women grow up with impossible physical standards. Men grow up with impossible emotional ones. Yes. And no one talks about that. All my life, I was told boys don't cry. Now, the, the, yes. the, people might look at crying as just this little thing, but it's not. That means boys don't get sad. Well, that's inhumane, yeah. right? Women grow up learning how to deal with their feelings from the time they can walk. Yes. And then I have to date them as an adult? It's as if I'm playing soccer as an American with a Brazilian, Oh yeah. They they've been playing with that uh, soccer ball yes. since they
0: were little girls. Yeah.
1: They have they have their community. Women talk to each other. They help each other. Men don't. No. And I think like you know it's I learned that it wasn't them. It was me. It was me, and it, it was and it was men. Yep. We have to learn to be better partners yes. for women. We have to learn yes. to be better communicators for women, not just for women, for the society. Yes. We have to be better men for this society. Yes, I You know. Agree. So, um, yeah, I've had a lot of terrible relationships, and I'll take responsibility for the majority of them. You know, I think I have to learn to be a better person. I have to stop. Uh, I cut down how much I drink. I cut down. Uh, I stopped smoking weed and doing all those things because all those things were just numbing my feelings mm-hmm. and all tied back to that whole boys don't cry. Yeah. It was men don't feel.
0: Yeah, I've Mm -hmm. tried more in the last two years than I have in like the first 49 or 48 of my life because I was taught the same thing. Yeah. And then when I became a a father young, so when I became a father with two daughters... Wow. They help you. They help soften you a little bit. I'm sure. Having girls, because I didn't have boys. I got grandsons late. I have grandsons. I got them later. I
1: can't believe I that. Know, you crazy.
0: are LA 50. That's crazy. <laughs> oh if God. I do this, do I look young? Yeah, man. No. You sleep um, in cocoa butter? What the hell? <laughs> I, I can't believe you have grandkids. And, That's crazy. I am Papa Jamie. I have grandkids. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, but I had daughters, and so they soften you a little bit. They I'm force sure. you, because they're girls. Yeah. They're women. They force, they force you to really... Dig in because they they demand because they like their fathers and plus I always think for myself I'm an example of a man for them yeah exactly right that was a major thing so it's kind of like Ugh, I got to show emotion but it wasn't until a few years ago I had a complete like breakdown and I had to get my father's voice out of my head and my uncles and my yeah. proud Puerto grandfather I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody everybody everybody's voice out of my head mm. and it was like okay I can cry I've mm. cried on TV you guys know that I've cried on TV and I and it's such a release now yeah. that it's like. Who cares I mean like it's just it's it's part of life
1: I think you're more brave if you cry, yeah you're more of a man if you can cry. I'm not saying crying on anything yeah, you know, exactly you know, like but I'm saying but to be able to yeah. show emotion and, and to uh to not to step outside of yourself and and to really feel something and experience yeah. life I think that's important I, I think agree. you're robbing yourself from a human experience if you if you stop yourself from feeling sadness
0: I agree I yeah. totally agree with that um what are, are there any comedians that you kind of look to, right, looking, looking to right now for, like, inspiration, mm. comfort, <laughs> I mean, are there comedians you're looking at right now, but... Right.
1: I, I gotta tell you, Morgan Murphy okay. blows me away. Okay. I, I think she is so incredibly talented. I think there's a lot of amazing female comics right now and male comics, too. I, I like the people that were, their comedy makes me laugh and also makes me think, mm-hmm. um, and I like the craft. I like people when I look at their comedy and I'm like, "Ooh, that's art. Yeah. That's art, man." You know, cuz there's people who write for the business mm-hmm. and then there's people who write for the art. Yeah. And and there's some really great comics out We're there. Where a joke
0: that hits on five different levels. Ooh, yeah. Absolutely. Like one joke, it's like it's hitting on this one, this one, this one, this one, you're like, "Oh my god." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Morgan Murphy will write some tweets where I'll stand up like a black lady in church, and and yes, I'm like, yeah. like, like high fiving
0: Jesus because it's so
1: funny. Like Morgan yeah. Murphy wrote, "Donald Trump makes me embarrassed to be mentally ill."
0: <laughs> but
1: she's got—I'm not going to do her material, obviously. Yes. But she's so good; she's so good. I'm such a big fan, and I—I and I, I love it even more that she's a woman. I think women right now are are. Some they're of the bravest comics are, I know are oh females.
0: God, I agree with that completely. Yeah. I Let's let's show. You're oh, gonna look at some Morgan. you gonna look at some Morgan Murphy. Um, I, I just think I think a lot of women nowadays because they're tired. They're tired of being You're in the shadows. It, exactly right. Um, they're just like they're like screw it. We're gonna just we're just gonna get out there. We're gonna be ourselves and yes. fully ourselves and tell our stories. And, and, the, and the way they observe things, like you said with the whole emotional part, and the way they were they're taught to look at things. It's really
1: good. I agree. And for the, for, you know, there's a lot of people that talk crap on them. And I think, you know, my grandfather used to say, listening is the cost of being heard. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who don't listen yeah. and then they complain when they're not heard. Yeah. And yes. it's like, g- give them a chance. Let, give them a chance. L- listen to what they're having to say and empathize. See yourself in another human yeah. being, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, skin yeah. color, whatever. Yeah. You should be able to see yourself in the eyes of somebody else.
0: I showed a sort of cover of his Brown Sheep CD um, that came out. <laughs> I love that Brown Sheep. And, um, I mean, some of the titles were, like, Being Arab, Catching Gay, April Fool's, Terrorism, Dating Michelle. Like, they're, they're fun. They're fun. Well, there was recorded live, wasn't it? It was a, recorded yeah. live
1: at the Seattle Underground. Yeah, yeah. some
0: fun stuff. So, I mean, okay, so what made you decide to do a CD? I mean, to actually uh... capture it on... on...
1: Well, it was, I mean, the whole thing, I just wanted to do an hour. Okay. Um, and it's like, you know, I think it's more streamed and on serious than it is bought as a CD. Oh, funny. Because uh, I'm not on the road as much right now. Um, I'm writing a new hour, and I think once that new hour oh, is done and tight, then I'm going to take it on the road. And oh, good. The way I usually write my hour is I do part of it in L.A., part of it in New York in terms of creating material, okay. and then I work it out in the middle. Of the country because I think it's important. I don't ever want to say anything on stage about people that I wouldn't say in front of their face, and uh, you know that's why I don't know if you've noticed, but lately I've gotten a little bit more built.
0: Yes, I've seen. And yes. it's
1: like uh, you know I decided I'm gonna ha- take control of situations that I feel I don't have control in. Mm-hmm. So if somebody else rushes the stage, I I box every day and okay. I then do jujitsu in the evenings, okay. and okay. Uh, I will choke a dude out. Okay. <laughs> If you come up on stage, especially during the punchline, I yeah. would choke you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, can you wait to after the punchline and maybe the rest of the stage?
0: But you not know, yeah. like during the punchline. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you know you got to protect yourself. Yeah. I think uh, in, in the society we live in today, you do have to protect yeah, yourself. i sure. Um, I don't have a bunker, but I, but I, I turn this into a bunker. Yeah. And um, I think it's important for comics to protect themselves and to look out for each other. Um, and for comedy clubs to to be aware that there's been a change in our industry and to be a little bit more serious about the security that they have at
0: their clubs as well. Well, how are they in L.A.? The comedy clubs here, security-wise here.
1: I mean, I think, you know, there's certain places. You know you know where I feel most safe is the comedy store. Well, they
0: have a lot of security, different rooms, a lot of security. Well, you know
1: what it is? It's not just that they have a lot of security. It's that the security there are comics, and, that is their house. That's their uh, home. Yeah. And they, they treat other comics like brothers and sisters. This is our community. Yeah. And if you come into our house and you do something to hurt one of us, then you're hurting all of us. Okay. And I think that's real security. Yeah. You know. And I, um, I think it's imp- clubs need to pay attention to that um, because things are changing. People are changing. And, and I think um, we need to snip this behavior in the bud mm-hmm. when people... A heckle is a heckle, and a good comic right, oh, can right, handle right, that. Yeah, right, yeah. But a threat... Yeah. zero tolerance Zero. 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 I
0: yeah. agree with that that's just, yeah. you know, I, I sit there going wow a comedian can get a death threat
1: so yeah man three
0: three that's I mean just like I In mean a comedian
1: year. yeah I've never had a death threat until Trump ran
0: wow
1: it all happened during his election wow and once uh, he started losing uh, popularity yeah all the death threats stopped Interesting. And all the trolls stopped. I had a lot of serious trolls too. Really? This one guy had like ninety-four different Facebook accounts that I kept blocking. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh Facebook God. was involved. The police were involved. Oh all this stuff. God. They finally got him. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: So how how did you like deal with that yourself? How did you stay calm? You know, or... I contacted
1: Facebook. To be honest, Facebook was a very little help. Uh, okay. They they I think Facebook has was a big is a big problem right okay. now. I think they need. The entire uh, Internet community and, and so, social media community especially, they need to – there needs to be a discussion between them and the government yeah. and law enforcement, and, and they need to be able to do things. Like the Russian, Russians buying ads, they yeah. knew where those, those yeah. ad buys were oh, coming yeah, from. Well. They did nothing. No. Uh, death threats. It, it, that should be a, they should handle that immediately. Yes. Um, Facebook was slower than cops coming to Long Beach. like it was ridiculous. it was ridiculous. you know it took two weeks before they did anything wow. before they contacted the police and the police, to be honest, LAPD pretty quickly, they handled oh, it pretty quickly okay, good. and I was impressed that in a digital space yeah. they responded really quickly, oh, and they got the guy really quickly. Wow yeah. that's
0: amazing. I'm glad nothing happened. Me too. Um, okay, so I asked my guests the same two questions. <laughs> I never prepped them ahead of time. Oh, I love it. Surprises. I glad. I I like 91 shows I've done this, and no one, <laughs> and no one I never prepped them because so I want to hear what they have to say, and whatever comes to mind to you first. Okay. If I've modified it, could be a word or a phrase, before okay. it's just a word, but it could be a phrase. Is I it a first a,
1: thought type thing? Yes. Okay, first cool. mind.
0: The first thing is, I believe that language is very important, and obviously you do too. Mm -hmm. um, And it can propel us forward or stop us in our tracks. It's one of those kind of things. What word in the English language should we not say anymore? Do we not say anymore? So we should not say anymore.
1: Should we not say anymore? The N word. Okay. Enough is enough. Yeah. And and the reason why I specifically call that word out right now is because there's a lot of uh, right-wing digital celebrities... A lot of right wing Fox News related people that are starting to throw that word I around know. and they're starting to compare it to the word cracker. And I'm like, don't, it, there's no comparison. There's no comparison to those two things. Um, that word
0: needs to go away, period. I agree, I agree for everybody. And number two, what words should we say more of? Please, thank you.
1: Kindness needs to come back. Yeah. You know, I think that people need to realize that the White House for behavior is like the runways of Paris for fashion. And when Trump goes out and behaves the way that he does, he inspires people to put on that same dress. And the way people, neighbors are treating neighbors is awful right now. I'm not worried about Trump the president. I'm worried about Gary the cashier. And he's the one. So Kindness needs to come back, because no matter how badass you are, you have someone in your family that isn't badass, whether it's your grandmother, your mother, your children. And that's why we need a safe society, a kind society, because there are a lot of people that we, we love, no matter how tough you are, that can't fist fight people, that don't pull guns on people. We can't be a badass society. That's the problem with America. We glorify guns. When I went to Sweden, a friend made fun of me. I saw Judge Dredd, it was rated X. And I was shocked. And my Swedish friend said, oh, I forgot, you're American. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we rate our movies by violence. You rate your movies by sex. And at that moment, I felt like Kimmy Schmidt in New York. I felt like I got out of the bunker called USA, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm a fool." Right. He's right. He's right. He's totally right. He, I would rather have a little kid watch a man make love to a woman and have a yeah. conversation with him than watch a man stab another man. I agree.
0: I totally agree. I, I've always said that. I totally agree with that.
1: That's the problem. It's not just the gun laws. It's no. the it's how we elevate violence in America, mm-hmm. and we convince people how. America found a way through storytelling, and I'm, and I'm talking about the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. They found a way through storytelling to convince Americans to fall in love with a dude who murders children, makes meth, and kills people. But, but how did we do it? Uh, you know, this is Breaking Bad, right? right? right. Uh, my friend took my job from me, uh, and America's like, stay a good person. Uh, my, my son is handicapped. They're like, stay a good person. My wife's cheating on me. I'm dying of cancer. They're like, screw it. Make some meth, kill some babies. Mm-hmm. And we love them. Mm-hmm. Because that is the American archetype, the aggressive underdog. We can be an underdog, but we don't have to be so aggressive. We don't have to elevate violence. We've evolved past that. I agree with that. We need to drop that wisdom tooth.
0: Yeah. You know? I like that. I can talk to you forever. I say, this is not fair. You just <laughs> you just you too. find a camera on the show, you've got to come back you have to come have back. Back. You you back. Have me back. you to come back. I'm thinking about, think about doing a round table with guys. So you'll be, be you'll be definitely included on I, that
1: I, one. I'd be honored to be a part of that. Thank That'd be you fun. So
0: much. Where can folks find you online and the social medias and everything? Uh, I am Tamar Katan on
1: everything. Uh tamarkatan.com is my website. Uh, everything else is Tamar Katan except Instagram. I'm Tamar Cat. It's T-A-M-E-R-K-A-T. Uh, and K-A-T-T-A-N for my full name for the website and stuff.
0: Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, me too. This was great. And you can follow me on all social media platforms at James Law Jr. where all James Law Juniors are sold. That's right. Google me and I just pop up. Not at your house, but I will pop up somewhere on your computer, laptop, or tablet or phone. Uh, follow Breaking Into on the Facebook page. Go ahead to iTunes and uh, YouTube to go to Black Hollywood Live, and Breaking Into is on the front page. You can go there and see my, my lovely face. And all my, all my 91 episodes, including this one, will be on there also. Look Ooh, 91. 91. We're getting there. We get to 100. We get to 100. Um, and we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, next week, I have a wonderful person next week. Her name is Mayumi McKinley. She's talking about. Um, therapy is okay that's our thing therapy is okay (laughs) and I will see you next time thank you (laughs) from executives Kevin Undergaro Dario Kristen Tiana Hobson and the entire BHL staff we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment for questions and comments contact us info at blackhollywoodlive.com like us on Facebook tweet us or instagram us at bhl online and i am the official voice of black hollywood live Scipio, instagram me at king XO bay thanks for tuning in the views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of bhl or its owners or principals